0: Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Nefesh Podcast. I am so thrilled to have my friend Joey Taez. I said that right, right? Taez? I love that last name. I love it with the uh, silent L's that, that turn into Y's. Yes. Uh, Joey Tuez, um, whom I have known for a long time. And you have your own uh, YouTube and podcast right or YouTube podcast or I, I'm not sure what the technical terms are for that
1: yeah so uh currently I have I par- partnering with a friend uh and we call it a uh, blood bot so my friend has uh uh he has a podcast that I occasionally come on and uh d- do that and back in the day I used to have the Mr. Cup of Joe show that's right I- where I would interview people who had God given gifts and that were going after those gifts and talents and and just displaying them for the Lord and so that's been fun. Just yeah, a, yeah, different interviews with with some incredible people.
0: So the current one that you will uh, occasionally go on Bloodbot and you can find that on YouTube.
1: Uh, it's uh, that's I, I believe that's on uh, Podbean. Okay, I did, uh, I did a episode with my friend, but we're gonna do some more in the future. So.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joey, I, you have been in, in again, I've known you for a while. You've been in ministry for a while, um, grown up in the LA area, um, and done a lot of different things. And of course, in the background, we can see those beautiful guitars. I know just, just enough. Um, to probably break an instrument, but uh, probably if you threw out some names of those guitars, I might know them, but a, a great musician as well. Um, married, you have three daughters? Is that right? Yes. Three daughters. Um, and so just have had a, a full life, challenges, ministry challenges, life challenges. Um, but you and I have been in a lot of conversations and we both know the value of, of sharing our story and reflecting upon that spiritual journey, that spiritual formation process. And though life doesn't always turn out the way we want it to, we believe that God is at work in all of those things. And so I just want you to share your story. You can start wherever you want to start, and then uh, uh, we'll go from there.
1: Okay, sounds good. Um, Well, I guess I can start. uh, I was raised in a Christian home with uh, some incredible parents who just love the Lord. Um and you know it's interesting, you know, as I'm older now and I have children of my own and, and you realize that you're actually watching your 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 parents uh mature mm. into adulthood. You know, I'm I'm 41 now and I remember my dad's 40th birthday and you know just looking up to him and and not necessarily realize that he's he's growing and maturing still at that age. And um and, and we, we're constantly growing and maturing, you know, and um, hopefully, you know, pressing into the Lord uh, with all the all the things that might come our way. But, um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home um, and uh, I had a, a sister, uh, uh, Veronica, mm-hmm. uh, I, I say had because she had passed away at the age of 17. She uh, was diagnosed with leukemia at 14 and, uh, I just remember watching, I can recall that the, the day my parents got the, the news that she had had leukemia. Wow. And I just remember watching my parents just really gravitate to the Lord. And mm-hmm. I remember her really gravitating to the Lord, even with the surrounding pressure and, and, and the circumstance. And, and I remember the church just really loving on us. Wow! I remember my pastor just loving on my parents, Pastor uh, Ron Prinsing. Uh, you know, he's he's I think he's ninety. I want to say wow. like ninety one or ninety two. Um, wow! But and uh, and he's still a great mentor in my life. And matter of fact, last week he's like, "Joe, you got to come over and we got to pray." Um, um, so I'm blessed by him. But I remember the church really just loving on us when we were at a moment of despair and, and just trying to figure things out. And I remember my mom and dad just leaning on the Lord. I remember my sister just being, uh, very prayerful Mm. and I would walk in her room when I was young and watch her, you know, reading her word and just leaning on the Lord. And I, there was this one time where she was at the hospital city hope undergoing, um, chemotherapy. And my parents said, you know, we're going to come to the hospital. And she said, no, go to church before you come and see me. Wow. Cause she knew that it was a relationship with the Lord. That was the most imperative thing Mm. for her. And she expressed that to, to really just to strengthen. wanted my parents strengthened with with um, being able to go to church and to have that um, support system and also to to be fed the word you know so um, yeah so there so my brother was born and he was like a match for her at a young age they tested his bone marrow and she had a bone marrow transplant he from her from him wow um, and she, he went she went in remission for a little bit. And then the cancer started to come back in November, I believe of 1990 in the nineties, I want to say 91, it started to affect her brain Mm. and the cancer started to make way to the brain. and, And she had passed away at the age of 17.
0: Wow. What was that? It's hard to, it's hard to even know how I'm sure how to answer this question. What was that? What was that like for you? How, what? How old were you at that time?
1: I believe I was about eight or nine.
0: As an eight or nine year old, it's so hard to process death Mm -hmm. and loss like that. What was that like for you?
1: It was very hard. Um, Me and my sister, we her her birthday was July 11th and mine was the 14th, so we would share our birthdays during the same time and. Um, we were really close and, um, I remember I had a hard time initially crying, mm-hmm. um, cause I was in shock, but there's an interesting, that ha- thing that happened was the night that she had passed away. I remember waking up in the middle of night and opening up my eyes and knowing that she was gone. Wow. And, and so when my, my dad came home and told us, I already knew um, but in, in that I was, I was angry at God. I was as a nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid. I was just so upset, like, mm-hmm. you know, cause she was incredible. I mean, she was a 4.0 student, just super sharp, super intelligent, super loving, studious. And she, she loved the Lord and you, you go, man, like she didn't do anything wrong. It seemed, you know?
2: right
1: and and she and, and like i was like man i was in the posture of like god why why would you take her mm-hmm. so i think at that time i was just more mad and didn't really understand um
0: and of course had prayed for her healing i'm sure
1: oh yeah prayed for healing you know um and and didn't see it necessarily come mm. and so it 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 you know it, it wasn't, it was a tough, a tough season for sure. Yeah.
0: How did that factor into your walk with the Lord? It, it, was that a period of um, distance from God? Um, what did that do to your relationship with God?
1: I think, I think I finally came to terms to understanding, you know, and my dad, and, and there was a at the time there was a therapy like a a, a child like therapy at the mm-hmm. church called confident kids where it helped us to talk about our emotions and our feelings that our feelings are okay so just working through those things that was very therapeutic and but oh, it was it was great because it was it was really just um, um surrounded by the word as well so mm-hmm. understanding like like who God is and um, understanding, uh, you know, talking about death and talking about all those things, I think really started to help me heal. Hmm. Um, And it wasn't just me. It was like my parents went through it. So there was like an adult group and then a child group. And you talk through your emotions, through your feelings. And I think that was very um, instrumental in my healing.
0: Yeah. I wonder at that age, if that forced you to a certain extent to uh to mature rapidly um and it sounds like especially as an 8 or 9 year old um to even have you know to have those feelings those are mature feelings of anger at god and then to be able to process through them that in my perspective that's a mature 8 or 9 year old did that force you do you feel like were you then the oldest uh, out of the kids was it your sister then you yes. and then you know, what, what did that, how did that impact your, your maturity and your growth from that point?
1: I know when I was younger, I was, I was really angry. You know, mm. uh, I had a lot of anger. Uh, you know, there's a time where I was even upset at my dad because that night, you know, when uh, he wanted to go see my sister, I was like begging him to take me. And he said, no, you have to stay home. And that was the night she passed away. But a hard part for, because I was living in, in uh, regret because the day that uh, she passed away, me and my dad had actually took her to the hospital, um, um, took her back in because she was, you know, she her face was, uh, part of her face was starting to droop. And, oh. and, and so we, we admitted her. And that day I remember um, saying, okay, sis, I'm going to give you a kiss, but there was a nurse in the way. oh, And I, and I wasn't able to give her that last kiss. So there was a lot of uh, regret, you know, that and I was angry at my dad. I was angry at that nurse. I was angry yeah. at the situation. Yeah. So that, that stuff was really hard to bear.
0: Yeah. And, and to process for, I mean, that's just so, it just breaks my heart to hear that it, it, those, and again, as a child, those final moments that that taking care of being aware of an older sister who is suffering, who is in pain and who is going through that type of battle, uh, how, how challenging that would have been for you. I, I can't imagine from that point Um, where did your spiritual formation progress from that point as you moved on into uh, teenage young adult years um what did your what did your journey look like
1: so i I think i really started i I think confident kids really helped help me heal Mm -hmm. but then also thinking about like really just knowing that my sister loved me Mm -hmm. um, really just knowing that she loved the Lord and it and her heart for the Lord made me really think, okay, like I I just, I just need to love the Lord, you know? And so because, because of the turmoil she was going through and, and she never complained about her situation. And so I'm like, well, if she loved the Lord and didn't complain about her situation, then there's a strength there. Yeah. Um, But as, as I got older, you know, I, you know, was in junior high, was really active in the church um, as a kid. Anyways, as a little junior higher, I'd always go to church and hang out with, you know, we did crazy stuff in junior high and we had sponsors and, you know, um, people who really just loved us leaders, Mm -hmm. pastors that just really just, cared about us. And, you know, um, so I spent a lot of time in the church and growing up. And um, I remember when I was 14 years old, going up to uh, a camp, you know, with all the kids and just knowing like, man, I just, just need to surrender. And, and Pastor Ron Prinzing was the head speaker that day. And I just remember that was the first time I, I, I um, got filled with the Holy Spirit and was speaking in tongues and i remember coming down from that mountain and just super stoked and on fire and i remember coming home and i said mom call everybody and and we had people lined up and i was just praying over people and prophesying and my mom really it was it was pretty rad um (laughs) it was pretty rad and my and i'm speaking in tongues and my mom is interpreting it was gnarly
0: that is so cool.
1: Yeah, it was so gnarly. And <laughs> like just
0: random, like your neighbors,
1: your friends, like, your like, family. like our like our family, like I was okay. you know, prophesying over my dad and oh, you know, like my aunt came over and uh telling her that there was witchcraft in her house and she went home and she found it. Like I, Oh my gosh, I, you know, like stuff I had no clue about. And um, and so God was God was uh just really like just I just got really stirred up by the by the Lord. But then I went to church and I remember being so excited. And I told one of my leaders, I said, you know, this is going on. And he's like, no, that's that's just that's just a forest season.
2: Wow. And, and it just
1: it just shot me down, you know, like oh, wow. You know, that activation. And I'm like, well, where do I go from here? You know, yeah. you know, I I started to believe what what he had spoken. <laughs> um and and several years i'm sorry well i
0: was just gonna say there was no one to mentor you and encourage that fire within you
1: i I don't i didn't necessarily know who who i could have went to who was kind of flowing like that Mm. you know uh to to continue fanning that flame you know it it, it kind of got it you know blown out (laughs) for a bit
0: oh it's so disappointing yeah so from there what um did you continue to pursue god was there or was the passion just kind of fizzled
1: i did i I did continue to pursue god i was in a christian punk band if that's even a thing you know (laughs) (laughs) you know gosh that's so like the opposite of but so i was in a christian punk band in my freshman year in high school uh, excuse me my freshman year in high school And, uh, I was just all about Jesus, like my freshman year, I I was drumming. I'll, I'll show you pictures later. So I was a drummer in this punk band and, and we were all about the Lord. And, um, I think around my senior year, I was, I was, I wasn't, I was over it. I was Hmm. over, I got hurt in the church, you know, like people like disappointed me and I was looking at man. And, uh, and so I, I kind of bailed out and started doing my own thing and, uh, started picking up the guitar and, you know, rock and roll.
0: (laughs) So you pursued the whole, what, rock and roll musician lifestyle for a while?
1: For a while. Even after high school, I was kind of just doing a lot of drugs and Mm -hmm. just doing my, doing my own thing and uh just drifting wow you know uh what do you
0: what do you think was and of course there are a lot of factors and reasons what do you think it was that that kind of sent you in that that direction um or that uh didn't keep you anchored in in your relationship with god at that point
1: i think a lot of things just stem back to identity Mm -hmm. And, and like kind of forgetting, you know, I was, I was talking with friends yesterday with men, you know, there's this, there's this thing about people and forgetting, forgetting, Mm -hmm. forgetting blessings, forgetting the miracles, forgetting what God has done. And when we forget, I think that's when we easily slip into disobedience. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so it was. It was just maybe more of a, to use an old term, a lackadaisical kind of just drifting into this is what's convenient. This is what I have access to. This is what seems like fun. And forgetting the earlier miracles or passion that you had. Well, What was it that brought you back?
1: Well, I, you know, you know, I got, I really got into drugs um, and was doing all that stuff. And my grandfather was actually dying, uh, mm-hmm. my, my mom's dad. And I remember being uh, in the hospital room and seeing him there and um, just wanting to pray, you know. I mean, and I was doing drugs like, you know, a couple hours before.
2: Wow.
1: And, and so I started to sing, blessed be the rock. You wow. Know? The Lord reigns and blessed be the rock. And so I start singing this song and he starts lifting up his hands and worshiping while he's, wow. you know, he, you know, he couldn't talk. But he's, he's worshiping God. And I'm going, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And, you know, I, I really felt the presence mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And I went home and opened up Psalm 71. And it was that reference, blessed be the rock, you know. And I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and I knew. And I really felt like the Lord told me, it's time, Joey.
2: Wow. It's
1: time to tell people I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And it's time to turn your life around. And that moment, all the drugs were done. You know, it was it was a done deal
0: right there. I I mean, uh, just a uh, what's the phrase? Not a clean slate, but a um, uh, cold turkey.
1: It was it was done. It was a cold gobble gobble. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was it was really it was really um, powerful. Mm. It was really powerful. I just remember weeping going home. Like I remember telling the time my girlfriend, she's my wife now uh just telling her like i don't know what's going on and i'm weeping Mm -hmm. and i remember reading the bible and weeping you know and repenting wow forgive me yeah
0: one of the things that always strikes me about our our faith as christians is that experiential component that that is just you. You cannot argue against you know all the logic in the world, all the, uh, the theological arguments, and every every other type of or atheistic arguments. It cannot argue with those types of experiences that truly are are life changing, are transformative, yes. are miraculous. And somebody who has drifted so far and is steeped in drugs and in their own way to be able to experience god's presence in that moment and want nothing more of that old life and you know doing the the proverbial 180 i mean that's powerful
1: i i think i think i knew you know i knew like like god he's the answer you know Mm -hmm. and you know, we could follow, I think a big part of it too, is like, I was following the wrong crowd. You know, you can either be the influencer or be influenced. Right. And so I was putting myself in a position where I was being influenced, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of running with the crowd instead of just really just living the life I was, you know, always supposed to live in obedience and following the Lord. And I knew he's it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I think the thoughts of like, um just seeing the things that he had did in my past you know and um and everything to that point was just like this is it joey you know and i'd share it with people who didn't uh, weren't necessarily people who had faith and they'd say oh it's just coincidence Mm -mm. but but wisdom would say different that's right and, and you know i think um to overlook things like that because the Lord speaks the question is are we paying attention or are we are we are we looking mm. because he's speaking but are are we really paying attention to what what right. he's saying and um I knew at that time like this is it like I, I have to be done mm. you know so that was the really just a, a turn a giant turn for me
0: from there um did you know or had you known that you were called to uh, some type of leadership ministry, leadership position, pastoral ministry? When did that start?
1: So the interesting thing is, um, I felt called when I was five years old. Wow. Watching my pastor preach. Mm. And so, and and it was also prophesied over me when I was a little guy. Wow. So yeah, when I was, when I was young, but, you know, running from my calling, just, you know, be, trying to be Jonah.
0: Yeah. Know, and was to- there fear involved in that? So you felt this calling from an early age, was there a certain amount of fear that, that And maybe like Jonah, that you were kind of afraid of the calling, afraid of the responsibility, didn't want it. Uh, Was there anything that may have contributed to that kind of running away from it?
1: Uh, Not necessarily. I just, I just knew I was, I was in the wrong. Mm -hmm. I knew I was in the wrong. Yeah.
0: And so at that transformative experience, what did your life, what did you do from there? Was it, was it, all right, I'm, I'm back in church, I'm doing ministry, I'm, you know, X, Y, and Z, or was it uh, kind of a slow uh, uh, turning towards your calling?
1: Yeah, at that point, it was like, um, uh, we need to find a church. Mm. So so we started going to a church, a local one, a small one, and, uh, me, and me and my wife got pretty active in it and uh we just started to just just uh be a part of that congregation and um it was really it was really cool it was really neat because you know she had grown up um kind of christian but not necessarily Mm -hmm. and so it was kind of a whole different world to her i mean it was a whole different world to both of us you know just Mm -hmm. like um you know because when we first Started our relationship, I was, you know, I was a druggie, so it was like, like who is this dude? You know, (laughs) don't forget your Bible. You know, (laughs) it was, it was totally different. And she stuck with you. Yeah, she changed. She's crazy. (laughs) That that was nineteen years, nineteen years ago.
0: Wow, have you been married that long?
1: Uh, We've been married fifteen.
0: But together 19 years that is incredible yeah wow
1: yeah she she stuck with me you know she she knew even when I was in my lowest place she believed that I was I could be better mm. so she saw who I could be when I couldn't even see straight so wow yeah.
0: so you got involved in church and then from there what what did your ministry look like
1: So I started playing congas first, like this, this laptop's actually sitting on one of them. (laughs) So I was straight Ricky Martin. Hitting congas, being Ricky Martin. Were you
0: dancing all around the stage?
1: Oh, oh, you know it. (laughs) You must've visited the church. Um, So I started off with the conga and that's what I did for a while. And then uh, I (laughs) tried, I try to play drums and they're like, no, dude, you need to. <laughs> we're never going to allow you to play drums again. So um, I did that. I have this thing when I play drums, I just play way too fast. So, okay. Like, so Joey, it,
0: <laughs> you can like, play, but you're just like taking over everything.
1: Well, they're like, Joey it's not a punk band. <laughs> this is a worship service. So, like, that's right. Um
0: so that would be then, great to see you drum to like one of the
1: slowest hymns ever, right? <laughs> and Go viral for sure. So, yeah, so I just, you know, uh, playing music and, you know, we work with children, you know, Shannon would work with missionettes and and girls. And um, then we like went through a church merger. And then um, after that, um, during that time, I was working as a janitor, uh, mm-hmm. as a part-time job and a full-time, like I was working my full-time job and then a part-time job as a janitor. Wow. Um, and, um, I would, you know, listen to Calvary Chapel in the morning. Uh, this pastor named Steve May is this incredible teacher, but listened to him. But then they're like, Oh, you should, uh, talking about like school, like a school of ministry type deal, like, uh, Calvary Chapel, you know, you know, s- church school. And I was like, Oh, maybe I should do that. So I I approached my pastor and I said, Hey, uh, I'm thinking about going, he's like, well, why don't we just start a school of ministry here at our church? And I said, I said, all right. So we started off with global university initially.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then from that, uh, we started to, you know, roll out other stuff and then expanded with the school of ministry and then, I, I stayed in the school of ministry and you know and here we are. <laughs> Did
0: you finish um, uh, all uh, the school of Ministry with the the Southern California Sundays of God uh, district they had a um, uh, it's changed a bit now but a, a school of ministry that have various locations and and kind of walked you through all three levels. Did you finish the those
1: three levels? Uh, I literally have two classes left. Oh man. I was, I was going to take them. And then I was like, oh, I totally forgot to take them. <laughs> but yeah, I literally, I literally have two classes left. Um, oh, that's, and that's awesome. That's it.
0: That's it. And then you pursued a little bit of college. That's actually where you and I met was at the school of ministry. I just remember, especially back then, just your, your passion for, two things have always stayed with me with you your passion for the lord and your love for people i mean it just it just comes off of you your your excitement about god and your your care and excitement for others and um and i just have loved to see that in you so within that school of ministry i know that eventually i mean you were taking on uh leadership roles you were worship leading you were like a um were you a campus pastor at one of the churches um you've done a lot of different things in ministry
1: yes um thank you yeah yes um yeah so worship leader uh for some time and then um campus pastor for some time uh an associate pastor for some time um so yeah dabbling in a lot of different times
0: (laughs) you mentioned some some church challenges I think um unfortunately probably every Christian if they've been in church long enough has some type of church wound and even if it is and often they are unintentional um we've we've experienced those and it's because the church as we know is full of imperfect people um and I know this was a, a few years back um it you and I had conversations just about even the direction of the global church. And, and, you know, are we, I hope every pastor at some point asks these types of questions. Are we doing church the most effective way, or are we stuck in some type of rut or traditions that are causing people to be turned off from it? Are we truly discipling people? Are we truly seeing people grow through spiritual formation or are we caught up in commercialized churches? Um, walk, take us back to that, um, as far as just even that time, uh, and then take us through to where you're at now in your, your ministry in your church. Um, Because, and I think this is what is so important that the the difficult times that we go through are often preparing us. Well, they're always preparing us for something, whether it's growth, or it's another uh, future activity. But for you, that time prepared you then for the ministry that you are doing now and the church that you're leading now. And so take us back maybe a few years and what that transition was like for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. So I I went from uh, being a worship leader at my friend's church in in Hacienda Heights. And then after that, we, uh, I was, at the time I was, I was editing a, a Christian television show out of my kitchen, which was a trip. (laughs) yeah yeah it's a trip so um um so um what happened was we we went from um um being worship, like part of the worship team at a church uh at one of my friends churches which was another campus and then from that um we prayerfully uh made this decision to transition to be campus pastors in, in south pasadena and um at that time i i was working uh full-time at at a at a a warehouse at with albertson's i was there for about 15 years but you know we just took the the leap of faith to go into ministry and so we were at this church for some time um for for almost about two years and we just saw god just do some great things Mm -hmm. um you know uh he was growing the church, um, but because of of different things that were happening behind the scenes, we we had made the decision that we were going to prayerfully um, uh, take a sabbatical, which is ease for, for take some time away, you know. Uh, <laughs> and so it, it was it was rough because, you know, Lord was really just growing that place and Mm -hmm. growing the people or building relationships, you know, uh, my kids had friends and um, it was a tough thing. I I wept over that. And um, I think the hardest thing was, you know, um, telling the congregation that, that we're leaving. And um, that was tough. Wow. It was really tough. Um, And in that time, I say maybe, a little time after my dad passed away wow um and i was i was i was somewhere else mm-hmm. i i wasn't i wasn't being a good dad or a good mm-hmm. husband i i was somewhere else i was and and my wife was taking up pulling up all the slack and taking care wow. of everything and i was just in a a rut you know um, you know, it, it, it was all catching up to me. And so, um, it was, it was a, it was a dark place, you know, very dark place. And, um, so we had, uh, you know, a a pastor friend of mine was like, Hey, Joey, let's grab some coffee. And I was like, okay. And so we went to coffee and, you know, he said, Hey, you want to come over? And, and possibly, uh, you know, being an associate pastor with us. And so me and my wife met with them and thought it was a cool deal. So we went over there and, and we were, you know, associate pastors for some time and COVID and then COVID hit, you know, it's that
0: (laughs) COVID hit, you know, and everything changed. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And so, um, in that time we were, you know the ch- the church doors closed and and um, you know we uh, we were you know we prayerfully decided to keep our backyard open you know and and you know I, I talked to the pastor said hey pastor like we we want to keep our backyard open in Whittier is that cool you know just out of respect sure and so um, so we just started doing this thing called fireside. And where we would meet around the fire and we'd meet once a month and, and, and we worship and, and have a word and. Have and this guest. was
0: all during COVID. So essentially as a way to keep connecting with people. That's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was tough. Some people couldn't make it, you know, cause of COVID and all the, the fear factor. And so we, you know, we would stream it online as well, but just, you know, yeah, I just thought it was so important to to yeah. connect and and to to be together and to to be in a backyard with fire and you know and you know just encourage each other in, in a discouraging yeah. time. So right, right. Um. So yeah. So we did. We've been doing that um for some time now, and um, so that's kind of where we're at. Um. You know. Um just kind of, kind of a backyard church and, Mm. um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's where we're at right now. Um, we, we, yeah. So, uh, the pastor at, at that church, um, retired and we said, you know, we kind of just want to think about and pray about just planting. And so we've just been in my backyard and, and, you know, here we are.
0: So you've been in your backyard ever since, essentially, did you take over the, the, the leadership of that church, uh, or did somebody else take, take over and you planted off of that church?
1: Yeah. So my, my friend, uh, my friend took over the leadership of that church. Okay. And and so, um, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we, we ended up coming here and he stayed there. Okay. Yeah. So
0: I love this idea of a backyard church. Talk to me about it.
1: Man, it's been so awesome. I, I think the coolest thing is that, like, you know, um, that people who don't necessarily go to church uh, aren't defensive. You know, like, can can just like, oh, it's just a backyard. You know, and it's and it's open, and you know, people just want you know can come and hang out. And um, but but I've noticed what I noticed is is sometimes I challenge people. Mm. You know. And, uh, it's a little, it's a little too much. Hmm. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Well, I, you know, kind of challenging them where they are as like, you know, in, in the relationship with God and, you know, are they repentive? or, you know, hmm. are, are they, are they seeking after, you know, just following him. And, and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes the mindset it's, it's just a hangout. Right. But I think, but I think the challenge it's an intentional challenge because, you know, uh, spiritual formation, you know, uh, we, we, I, I really would love to see people really just be discipled. And in that aspect of discipleship, you know, we're not necessarily disciples unless we're discipling others that disciple others. Right. So in that there's going to be a challenge because, you know, because we're, you know, because that's the life we're supposed to call to, to live. Right. Yeah.
0: How how have you seen this? So in addition to being a a place where perhaps people who wouldn't come into a church building are, are coming, what are some other things that are unique to what you are doing there? So um essentially, is it your goal to ever be in a building? Or do you feel like this model almost like a house church um is Is where you're going to, is that what you're going to lean into as you continue?
1: That's a great, that's a great question. Um, Because I think, you know, initially, I think this model was something, especially during COVID is something that like really gravitated to, but then I think it's all a learning process Mm. and trying to, trying to be wise of like where the curve is going, if you will. Right and, and just like what what God what do you want us to do and where mm-hmm. where are your people where are the people that we need to really just go after um um where are they are where are they at and how can we reach them you know right how can we reach the lost and so I think you know I've just been praying about that too it's interesting that you you talk about it um, because it could it be that we have a church service on Sundays, like a hub, mm. and then, and then during the week, or, you know, there's other places of, of house, house church is, is that connect. Right. Um, and then we can meet, we'll meet together on Sundays and, you know, maybe rotate on, on speaking speakers or, or, or pastors, if you will, you know, I, I, that's something I, you know, that I, I'm praying about because mm-hmm. I feel like what it looks like, I, I don't know what it looks like. Yeah. That makes any sense.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's perfectly fine. Um, you know, uh, there, the, the challenges of a house church is that it can, and there are multiple similar to what you see within a church that's in a building or an institutional church, house churches can become exclusive where you've got such a unique uh, connection and camaraderie that that people um, from the outside may not feel welcome, or they can be, you can have people who are less committed, maybe who just see it kind of as a hangout. Um, but the institutional church, the church that meets in a building has its own challenges and uh, is something that I have been concerned with, with for a while. And I know you and I have talked about this, uh, when you center the church around a building and as a specific day of the week, uh, it becomes something that I go and do one day a week. And my whole identity as a Christian is involved, or re- revolves around that Sunday morning service in a building. And COVID has changed churches drastically uh, and has given us an opportunity to make changes To because we know that people are not going back to church necessarily. And so it gives us an opportunity to change directions and to help people understand the dynamics of a spiritual formation process that is holistic uh, as opposed to a Christianity that is purely a a name and, and again, an identity that is associated with a certain day of the week or a certain place. The fact that you don't know where it is heading, I think is absolutely... Uh, I don't think anybody knows where it's heading, and I and how do we how do we truly disciple others? How do we engage in spiritual formation both for ourselves and others as ministers as leaders? What does it look like, and are we willing to make those changes? Now, for you in your situation, you would be considered a bivocational, or I know I think the new term now is co vocational. Pastor, um, cause you work a, a full-time job. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so you are, uh, again, and I, I foresee this as the, as the future for, for ministry. I think more and more people are, are going to be developing these smaller and smaller churches and are going to be bi-vocational, co-vocational. Um, and I, for you is that, um, uh, I guess is that okay at the moment is that where it, is that where you see that heading for you as well?
1: yeah, very much so um um very much so the interesting thing is is i I believe like just what you said, the discipleship factor of is mul- like multiplying but being able to disciple those who disciple others, but also um in the smallest church setting um is also, um, is there's a tendency to, to want to retract to the, the old uh tra- traditions, and so going forward in this new endeavor, if you will, is really just being mindful and and really just having uh discernment and leading of the Holy Spirit, prompting of the Holy Spirit as as we go forward, like, Lord, how do we do this moving forward? and and try not to lean back into the old traditions um that that may work in in other instances but uh depending on where where we're at you know even location you know like god do you want us in the marketplace what do we do Mm -hmm. Do you want us to go pray for some people and just watch the holy spirit wreck people and and just move in power Mm -hmm. um God, god help us there's this interesting thing that that we have we have the theology we we know we can teach it, but 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 can we grab people by the hand and and take them out and, and really just show them how to walk in it wow. and 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 I think you know a lot of people have the theology, they know the scripture, they know these things, but they aren't necessarily walking into them, which is mm. is limiting them to really just walk in power right. when they when they realize that you know they can walk in power as a disciple mm. and not not because they're in any position or or because they're a pastor or you know what what have you but just knowing that that who Christ is and what he says is true and walking right. in that there's power. Something's going to happen. There are going to be miracles on the other side of our obedience. There are going to be miracles on the other side of us getting up and just moving forward in what Mm -hmm. God has called us to. And and, and, and I, I think the troubling thing is that we always look back to how we did it, but God's saying, I'm doing a new thing. And if he's doing a new thing, then we should also be doing a new thing in, in what he has called us to do Mm. going, going forward. And I really believe that God wants to do new thing in us and through us, but we have to realize who we are and who he is. And if what he says and who he says he is, if we believe that, then we can walk in the power of who he, he says uh, what we can do through him, you know. Yeah,
0: I love that. I think that's so, so powerful. This idea of uh, understanding our identity. You mentioned that before that that was something that you really just struggled with, and we all do, but that that was one of the things that kind of led you astray, not not really grasping maybe your full identity as a son uh, of God, as made in the image of God, and that that uniqueness, not, not that it makes us better than those who are not serving Christ or more special, but it does bring us into this relationship with God who has empowered us, who has equipped us, who has indicated that he will go before us, who, um, you know, the, the promises, particularly that we see in the New Testament, um, just even the faith, the size of a mustard seed, right? Um, you know, you were sharing with me, um, a few weeks ago about a recent trip to Hawaii and some of the things that took place there. Um, would you want to share any of that? Uh, yes. it was a mission trip that you just kind of went to you and a few friends and, and just literally went to the store and just prayed for people and some amazing things happened.
1: Uh, Hawaii messed me up. <laughs> Hawaii messed me up. It- and I think a big part of it is that, you know, prior to the trip, um, was that we had an expectation for God just to do the miraculous. Mm-hmm. And in that expectation, we started to see it happen. You know, uh, we started to believe we prayed and, and God moved mightily. Um, uh, yeah, just for instance, you know, you know, on the, one of the last nights, last days we were there, uh, we were going back to. Uh, walmart because we spent 95 percent of our time at walmart you know you think, oh, oh you're, su- you're suffering in paradise for the lord <laughs> you know how many times but, i heard, heard i that. mean
0: the, like you're right you're suffering for the lord in hawaii but i mean you went to walmart you hung out yeah. at walmart in hawaii uh it's pretty crazy when you think about it.
1: it it was it was and that was the cool thing about it and so um, you know, we call those aisles, you know, the heavenly aisles, you know, because <laughs> God was just rocking people in the aisles. It was gnarly. Wow. I just went with a group of, of incredible people who, you know, just believe that God, God can use us and not because of, you know, uh, position or nothing, but it's because who he says we are in him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and because they love, they love people. Wow. And, and so you know, you've seen people, you know, get out of wheelchairs. You know, uh, people manifesting. I never saw anything like that, uh, that intense. Wow! But on, on one of the last on one of the last nights, we, um, uh, days, excuse me, we we went back to Walmart, and you know, we were going to have a baptism, and we were at the church, but we went back to to see if we can pray for some more people and. Um, we were about to leave and I'm coming around this corner. I was about to go to the restroom and I, I, see this, this guy wearing a red shirt. He's really just really just muscular dude. And I'm like, Hey man, I believe that Jesus brought me from LA to talk to you, you know? And, and, you know, later, later on, I interview him. He says, I thought this guy was crazy. <laughs> He's like, I thought he was crazy. And I said, "Hey, I, I really feel like the I, I really feel like the Lord is just like uh, really uh, leading me towards you, and that mm-hmm. your family is just going to do incredible things for the Lord, and that your wife has been praying for you." And I said, "I know it sounds kind of crazy." I said, "But you know, um, um, we've been seeing so many miracles and deliverances, and 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 he goes, "Oh, my wife, she's she's been watching those videos of deliverance." and I, oh, oh okay and he's like hold on let me go get her and um well cuz I was like can I pray for you and he's like oh let me go get her and she so happens to be working at that Walmart
2: oh and, wow and,
1: and she was over like three other aisles and he goes and gets her and um, you know she takes off her Walmart vest and and uh she starts crying and I said you've been praying for this guy haven't you she goes yeah she starts crying wow And so I, I call over my friend, um, and I say, Hey, let's pray for these people. And so we're praying and she just, she just starts shaking in the middle of Walmart, but they were, they're repenting, right? They're repenting and she's just shaking and, uh, just, you know, getting delivered. And so, um, we said, Hey, you know, you know, we're praying for them and we said Hey, we're going to be baptizing. If you guys want to come down to this beach. So. they, they actually come to the church and, you know, they bring their towels and we baptized them oh. um, literally within three hours time of that, you know, just initial. Wow. Um, um, conversation. And, and the cool thing was that their family was actually on the beach, um, wow. cause they go there, uh, you know, at that time, all the time to, to go barbecue on the beach.
2: Oh, wow. So their
1: family's watching them get baptized. Oh, and uh oh it was it was so crazy it was I, just crazy
0: i mean i just i love the i love the simplicity of it i love the the you know the parallel to acts the book of acts as paul is just walking around as peter they're just walking around and they're seeing uh people healed you know the shadow of of paul the 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 handkerchiefs that, that were touching, that had touched Paul and they're laying upon people and people are getting you know healed. And uh, there is just the simplicity of just praying for people, uh, allowing the Lord to use you. Um, and I think I asked you this before. I don't remember what, what the answer was, but what was it that specifically led you to Hawaii? Was there somebody that you knew there? Or was it just you felt I mean, hey, no complaints, right? It's why but was it did you just it was it just a place that was in your mind that you felt like I need to go there?
1: So so I have a friend that I, I've met like at a Bible study. And um, he plays guitar and we just we just hit it off. And and we started hanging out and I was going to Bible studies with him and he's like, Oh yeah. Some, some lady invited me to go to Hawaii to go pray for people there on the island. And i go, Oh, that sounds rad. <laughs> he's all, he's all, you sh- maybe you should go. i go, Oh, maybe. And then, you know, um, I was like, maybe I should go. And then he's like, I, I had a confirmation. He said, we were walking around uh, the city and we, and we stumbled upon like a Hawaiian, fe- like it was like a like a festival going on, and he's like, oh, I guess that's my confirmation." And I was like, "Oh, I want confirmation." And so I was I was working at this uh, a job site in Fontana, and I pull into a gas station, and uh, a bunch of guys, young guys, come in with wearing lays around their neck, and I go, "All right." I I guess it's happening, you know. I love that. But uh, um I was re- I've been reading a book too. Um The Life You're Always, I, th- I believe it's called The Life You're Always Supposed to or You're Just Supposed to Live. Hmm. And and a big part of that book is just talking about um Isaiah going to the throne room of heaven and where he sees the cherubim and the angels flying around and he, he overhears the Lord saying, Who shall I send? And he says, Send me. Wow. And I think the biggest thing is that that God is really just looking for people to partner with heaven. Right. Just like, God, I want to partner with heaven. I believe that you are divine. I believe that you are powerful. Like allow God to put his super on your natural. Mm. He's, he's a supernatural God. He wants to pour out his super on our natural. Wow. But a lot of times we're so consumed with the natural, we miss the super.
2: Mm -hmm. but if
1: we could just lock lock in on what god wants to do do, like pray like lord oh oh, um you know send someone my way give me a word for them lord i i care about people i care about the lost and and as much as you do and 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 he wants us to partner with him and so when when we do we will see we will see miracles and and god will give us a word and And we just have to walk in it and, um, and we'll see it come about. Um, When I, when I came back from Hawaii, I was so stoked. I took my, I took my daughters to the beach and they saw some miracles.
2: Mm. And
1: then I took my, my eldest to go pray for some people in Walmart, you know, just to just step out into it. And, 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 you know, where, you know, Jesus is coming, he Mm -hmm. is coming. But he, but we also have work to do, Hmm. you know, I I think sometimes we're just, we're just waiting, like, you know, we're just waiting to jump up so God could rapture us. But we we, we forget that, that we might be good in in our spiritual formation, Hmm. but we also need to care about those around us. Right. That really don't know the Lord. And that person might be the person at the gas station that really needs to hear a word that, that Jesus cares about them, that he sees them that they know that they're in a low place. Mm. Just real quick. I want to share this story. Yeah. I was, I was driving Uber one time and, and I had this young girl get in the back of my car and the Lord said, she just lost a baby. And I'm like, and, and I was like, Oh man, like what do I do with that? Cause it was just crazy. And I go, I know this sounds really odd, but you just lost a baby and her eyes like blew up. She goes, Wow. how'd you know that? Wow. And the Lord just started to reveal me things to her. And I remember like telling her that she's like in a bad relationship and that she had mm-hmm. ran away from home and that she's gone through all this stuff and that God loves her, that God yeah. loves her. And I'm nobody, but I want you to know that Jesus is real and he loves you. Wow. And I remember dropping her off and leading her to the Lord. Wow. But the the powerful thing is like, and he cares so much, even on the individual basis of of our lives and the most intricate things in our lives. But he also wants to use you and I to, Mm -hmm. to reach others and partner with heaven so that we can see him move powerfully. Yes. And the more that we do it, the more that we step out, the more you're going to see God continue to do the incredible and the incredible and the incredible. He yeah. is who he says he is.
2: That's right.
1: And he wants to do those incredible things through us so that others may know him.
0: Mm-hmm. Joey, I I just I I just love that. I I that is I, I love how. Um, how ready you are to be used by the Lord in, in the mundane, in the daily, in the awkward, I mean, going into Walmart and praying for people, telling, having a, uh, such an intimate word for somebody with such a painful situation and you were willing to do it. And, you know, what you reflect is this really this, the move of the spirit in, in the spiritual formation process And it is spiritual formation is holistic and there are parts of it that we forget about spiritual formation is caring about the person next door and caring about their, their walk with Christ and caring about um, uh, reaching them with the message of the gospel and spiritual formation is allowing God to use us in supernatural ways and that is a part of, particularly in spiritual formation. That's actually a part that is underdeveloped in in the Pentecostal realm. Um, there, there needs to be more in both books and re, you know, uh, teachings on this uh, about the whole that that part of it. And and I think just kind of as a as a side note, uh, I think this is where at times the Pentecostal Church or Pentecostals have lapped the depth. So they operate in the spirit, the gifts of the spirit or the move of the spirit and they allow the Lord to use them. But if their core, their daily walk with the Lord is not being developed in spiritual practices and disciplines that that um, they can easily get off track or get into some weird realms. and, And we're familiar with all of that. But what you exemplify is a person who is rooted. And again, because I know you um, and I know the time that you've spent both in just studying, but also in your own development, you are rooted and you are allowing the spirit to move, but there's an anchor there that goes beyond just the experience. And that is so important. And I think you are a good example of allowing that spiritual formation process uh, to be to be holistic and I just I love what God is doing in your life and through you. I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you coming on and sharing and um, I'm excited for what God is going to do in your life in the future. Um, I don't know if I've told you already, but I think you need to write a book um, and you your your voice needs to continue to be heard, uh, especially for our generation as you continue. Uh, to share this, this aspect of the move of, of God's spirit. Thank you so much for being on Joey. You are awesome. Um, Where can people connect with you or um, do you have a website? Do you have um, anywhere that, that people can contact you or even connect with, with your church and and the things that you're doing? Uh, Connectionhouse.org. Connectionhouse.org. Um, and I'll, I'll put that up as a link as well. But, uh, again, I just, the Lord is doing so many things in your life and using you in, in the midst of a lot of pain and grief and challenge. And, and God has, is, is just getting started in your life. Um, and so again, thank you again for being on. Um, if you want to reach out to pastor Joey and what God is doing in his life, connectionhouse.org, you can check that out thank you all for listening to this latest episode of the nefesh podcast i hope that you have been as uh just encouraged and inspired as i have and we will talk to you next time